0: Music is more powerful than words. There's something about music. Even the Greeks who worship all their pagan gods and goddesses, though they had a very primitive form of music, every one of their gods and goddesses had a muse. That's where we get our word, music. Someone said, anybody can write the laws of a land if you let them write the music. You see, ladies and gentlemen, music is like sex. It's sacred. But you can take something that is sacred and so confuse it and misuse it Music is a powerful thing. It's it's as powerful or more powerful than nuclear power. A lot of people are afraid of nuclear power. Nuclear power can be a fabulous thing, and it can be a devastating thing. So it is with music. You remember that when Plato wrote The Republic, That is a classic document on how a state, a nation, is to be run. In his book on the Republic, as to how a country and nation should be run, he gave two pages to economics. He gave 40 pages to music. Because Plato was right, he said the first thing we should learn in education is Music, music cuts across our emotions, our standards as to who we are or who we think we are. It just explodes in us because music, ladies and gentlemen, is cosmic. It's cosmic. It's it's the other world coming and visiting in this world. Let me listen to your music, said one historian, and I will tell you whether or not you're on the verge of a revolution. Because prior to all revolutions in history, there was a revolution in music, that which was sung, that which was played, that which was listened to. We invented prose, God gave us music. Did you know that? That's right. What language do we find in Genesis? What was the language God used? He used one of the languages of heaven. There are only two languages in heaven, silence and music. Poetry is music that is frozen, but music that comes out and speaks to our hearts and lives. It is the most powerful medium perhaps we have in the world today. It will cut across everything and everybody because it appeals to you and me emotionally. Where are we in America? Go to college campuses. Listen to the music that they listen to. A young college student came home after spending his first semester away from mom and dad. He told them how he went to church, read the Bible, prayed, had stayed pure with all the temptations, but they noticed something about him. That glow, that had always been there. You know the glow in the eyes of people? That little glow, that little, it was gone. And they could tell something was going on. They couldn't figure out what it was, but they noticed wherever he went, he had those earbuds, those little bubs in their ear listening there, earbuds. And his mama said, let me hear some of that. Well, that's my music. And when she heard it, she knew immediately what was going on. Ladies and gentlemen, most of us in this room have no idea of the contemporary music, the hard, cold, demonic rock so many times, or the rap that our kids are constantly pounding in their head saying, that's just our music. It is devastating to the mind, the life, and the soul when that pounding thing is heard. I told you before, in the summer, I sit on a little balcony, second story, and I see kids going to the beach every day, going right down in front of me. They have all that booming music up there, and I sit there astounded. Believe it or not, I'm not naive or super pious. People think, oh, those preachers don't know what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, we're exposed to more garbage and trash in a week than most people have in a lifetime. That's a part of our calling. That's who we are in Christ. So don't be misguided, that's some naive guy. No, 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 no. Not profanity, vulgarity, but violence. Rape, desecration, brutality. Inhumanity, every kind of perverse you can imagine is pounded and pounded and pounded into their minds. And though externally there may be one thing, but internally there can be something entirely different. The power of music, it's cosmic. It is overwhelming and you wanna know where a nation is, listen to the music, listen to the music. I was praying and asking God, as now a lot of this family of Christ, this church is no longer woke, we are, I believe, awake, right, ladies and gentlemen? We're not totally awake, but how do we take the gains that we have made and continue to make gains on the turning around of our culture and our society? I said, how do you do that? I think it was last Tuesday, week ago. I was lying in bed, listening for God I've learned to listen more than talk. Have you learned that yet? Listening to God and asking just the question I have proposed here, what what do we do to to wake up and stay awake in a reverse culture, in every area, especially in music? It just floods over everything else. Well, what, what do we do? And I thought about Psalms, book of Psalms. I knew what Psalm meant, Psalm means seeing. I said, how can we stay awake, continue to wake up? The best way is to learn how to really worship the true and living God, learn how to worship Him. And I thought of Psalm one. I don't know what time it was, four-ish in the morning, I woke up this morning about 3.15. Don't always get up that early. But that morning I was awake and I shuffled a little bit and Lisa shuffled over on the other side. Winston stayed asleep. (laughs) And I said, you're awake? She said, yes. I said, I didn't mean to wake you up. I didn't know my thinking had spread and awakened someone else, my wife. And I said, I was just thinking about Psalm 1. She said, what? Yeah. She said, I've been lying here thinking about Psalm 1. We hadn't talked about Psalm 1. We hadn't mentioned it. It hadn't come up. You know, if you didn't know better, you think God is in this, wouldn't you? (laughs) And so I realized then we must If we are to stay awake and to really begin to worship the true and living God, I thought about Micah. What does God require of you? What does God require of human beings? To do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with him. That's it. How do we do that? that's our assignment, than we are to worship. You won't find a better place to learn how to worship than going to the hymn book, which has basically been the hymn book of about three quarters of the world since 1000 B.C. That's the book of Psalms. I want you, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, if you got it, turn to the middle, you'll run into Psalm. If you didn't, look in pew rack, I think it's number 332, 33. I just looked it up. And you in the Bible. Look, everybody have a Bible in your hand. It's one in the pew rag in front of you, disguised as a hemlock. It's a Bible. And turn to the middle of the book, find Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 really should be maybe the first chapter in the Bible. Did you know that? Because we know that. It said the word blessed, see it? And then you go to Matthew and really at the beginning of the teaching of Jesus, the Beatitudes, what is the word? Blessed, blessed, blessed. What does blessed mean? There's several Hebrew words for blessed. They're to be blessed and a couple of Greek words to be blessed and to be blessed. And by the way, they're over. 2,400 words in the Bible, in English, trying to say what blessed to be blessed is. Did you know that? We just hardly can interpret it. The root word means, it means to be in process, to be set toward a goal. The pedestrian way is, it means happiness. Now, we know happiness is temporary, but it means Happiness that's been baptized in joy, which is permanent. So the word happy, everybody wants to be happy. Billy Graham wrote a book years ago with the Beatitudes called The Secret of Happiness. And it's introduced by the word blessed. It means to be congratulated. If you're favored, if you're blessed, if you're in harmony with God, you're in the right direction, your course has been set, then you are blessed, you are blessed. And then you read in Psalm 1, it says there are two paths that we take. And by the way, what the choir sang today about decisions, about choices, no way, Rodney, and they knew what I was going to speak on, but it fit perfectly perfectly with our thesis and what we're about, about making the right choice, going on the right course. Robert Frost, the poet, talks about coming to a wooded area and he said the, the road, the pathway divided and you had to go to the right or to the left or the left or the right. He had to make a decision, and Frost said he took the way less traveled by, and that made all the difference. Did you get that? Did you get that? If we're to be God's people and walk in God's way in this life, We have to pick the road less traveled by. As we look at Psalm 1, it's got only six verses. The first three is a solo, one person. One person, first three verses. Oh, you get to four through six. It says they, it's a lot of people. A lot of people take the broad road, the way less traveled the way that's traveled, the way to happiness, there's not people just running down that road. Let me tell you something. We need to come to the recognition that just because I'm a Christian, oh, I say I'm a Christian. Does that mean that you and I, we're really Christians? I saw a guy recently had a big cross around his neck. Don't see how he could stand up straight. <laughs> I heard him speak a whole flood of every kind of profane words for no reason at all, just in normal kind of conversation and proclamation. And he walked away and he made the sign of the cross. You ask that guy, are you a Christian? Absolutely. Here's a spring of water. The sign on the water says, Pure, cold mountain water flowing right out of the streams at the top of the peaks. Pure water, big sign. Boy, you go and pour some of that water in a glass and drink it and it's dirty, it's contaminated. Bugs are in it, you spit it out. Was that pure water? No way. So there has to be evidence in your life and my life as to which path we're walking, regardless of all the words we put out and the professions that we make, or how many times we've been baptized, homogenized, vulgarized, or sanitized. The proof is in the life, the path we are now walking, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to understand. You say, well, you're being awful pious and awful judgmental. No, I'm not. I know it's all by grace, but God has spoken clearly here in just the first Psalm. You're going one way or the other. There's not any side roads. Look at the path here. Look at look a little graft up here. I think we've got it. We're going to see the path of happiness, the path of cynicism. The path of happiness, rightly drawn, would be sort of narrow. It would probably be uphill. The path of cynicism would be wide, beautiful, flowers, all downhill, easier to travel. Let's see what the psalmist tells us. Hope everybody has Psalm 1. I hope you'll bring your Bibles with you as we begin to study Psalms a little bit now before we get in Christmas, then a lot when we get into January. We're going to, I pray, learn how to sing in our hearts, if not with our lips and our voices. Praises to God as we're taught to do it in the fabulous hymn book of the Bible. I mean, you go to Jerusalem, they would sing going up the hill. They would sing coming down the hill. They would sing in the middle. They would do their chants. Listen, if you read Psalms, you know what you discover? I said, how did he know that about me? How did he know that's where I need to pray? Man, I'm down and defeated. and Man, how, how did the psalmist, he's been right there with me. The Psalms covers every kind of nuance in life, mountaintops and valleys, applause and boos. It's all in here. When you read it, you see these are interceding in words that aren't too fancy, really. We think praying is almighty, omnipotent God. Who Praying is sometime, oh, me. Praying sometime, Lord, I'm mad. I, I don't understand. Praying is sometime. So all of these emotions are in this hymn book that is being sung in our hearts, in our lives, in our prayers, and read Psalms, study Psalms that we are, we're gonna know how and discover which path, which way we're really taking. It begins with blessed to be congratulated, and then it begins with negatives. Huh? Negatives, listen to it. Blessed is the one, Remember I said the first part is this one. Who does not step with the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the company of the mockers. Starts off with negatives. I see people all the time say, Lord, i I," say, Pastor, I want to get closer to God. You know, I'm away, I want to get back in church, I want to start praying, I, I want to just really come to God and let him work in my life, I want to be transparent. And they want to start with grace and glory and blessings and and advocation and thrilling. You got to start with negatives, ladies and gentlemen. You want to get right with God, you begin to say it in the ways that you and I are wrong with God. The gospel is bad news, first of all, before it can be good news. It is never just good news. That's the whole pattern of the Bible. If you and I are going to grow up, we have to see, Lord, is there anything in my life, my actions, my words, my, my attitudes, my expressions, my rela- relationships, you need to change, and we begin right there. And that's negative. Omission, commission, negative. Say, well, I don't know what that would be. Guess at it. You'll get it the first time, just as I do. Blessed is the one. First of all, King James says, "'Walk in not in the counsel of the ungodly.'" Counsel of the ungodly, what is that? You go to someone who you wanna know something about something or you have a decision to make, and you seek counsel from them, and if they don't know God, they're going to give you ungodly counsel that you might like. Oh, yeah. Ungodly counsel. Use, oh, that's what I was open for. They say something like, you know, everybody else is doing the same thing. Don't worry about it. You ever had counsel like that? Or nobody will find out. It's okay. Ever, anybody you ever thought like that? It's all going to work out. Don't be so sensitive. This is a new world. Ah, ungodly counsel. You may go for legal counsel. Say, legally, this is all right, but it may be ungodly counsel. Don't be fooled by that. Man's law is not coordinated with God's law. So what you don't want to do is walk, keep in step, get counsel from those who are ungodly, who are ungodly, oh yeah. Then what does the next thing says? No only you don't keep in step with them, you don't stand up with them. you don't say, well, I'm gonna stand with this group of people. You stand up, where? What does it say? Don't stand up in the way with those who are living lives counter to God's call and counter to God's purpose. If you stand up with them, You're associated with them. If you stand up with them on this earth, you may have to stand up with them when you leave this earth and I can tell you, not a one of them be standing. Every knee shall bow. So, gotta watch where you step. Gotta be careful who you stand around with. Oh, and the last one. You sit in the seat of the scornful. Now you sit down with them. You sit down with those you belong to. You sit down with those who accept it. We sit down with those who agree with us and we agree with them. And I'll tell you, the devil has a seat for you and seat for me and he's reserving there to sit down with those who scorn, who laugh at, who abuse. Be careful when we tell jokes and humor about things that are holy and things that are sacred. That's always, you know, great humor among men always deals with sex or heaven or God. Be careful with our humor. I have to be careful. You have to be careful. Before long, we'll be seated with those who are scornful. Oh, that church, look at those hypocrites. Man, it wasn't that bad. We don't have a chance. We're lost, there's no hope. Man, everybody's like that. That's what I expected. I was not surprised. Do you see anybody like that here? Don't show hands, I can't handle all of it. (laughs) Seated in the seat of the scornful. And what happens? Cynicism. If you're married to a cynic, God help you. Nothing's ever right, nothing will ever work out. I don't believe in all that. Oh, there's hypocrites everywhere. Who can you count on? Oh, I've got my opinion. They got their opinion. Who who really counts? Man, cynical. It's easy to get cynical when you begin to walk with some folks, stand around with some folks, and when you sit down with people like this, you will end up being as cynical as they are because that's the environment in which you live. I can take the most holy, reverent, saint here today. You may pray nine hours a day, but you go with me to some of these bars and happy hours for about two or three weeks and you'll be totally changed. What you have to do, folks, is say, I've gotta make a decision. I'm not gonna walk with this crowd. I'm not gonna stand around here. I'm not gonna sit down and do business with these who are totally godless and pagan if I wanna be blessed. Then it tells us how we get to be blessed. That's a negative, look at the positive. But whose delight, verse two, is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? He said, My goodness, I sit down and I read the Ten Commandments. The law is a Torah, Pentateuch, scholarly name Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Ten Commandments, Torah, Pentateuch. You ought to sit, I want to meditate on the law day and night. The law here means the totality of the principles that God has given you and me as to how we should then live. That is the law. Meditate on that. Man, just think about, you say, I, I wonder why there's all the cosmos out there, all the planets and all the black holes. And listen, you can go in this direction up and you will go to infinity, there's no end to it. You can go this direction in your heart and your mind and there's no end to it, it's infinity. God has put it there, I think, to let us know that there's so much more beyond what the astrophysicists and what the anthropologists and what all the brilliant people can know. He's showing us that you are human and I have constructed this whole universe plus many, many others, and that is a part of the magnificence and the creativity of God, and all out there is the music of heaven. You see, we're to meditate day and night. Why day and night? David was a shepherd. He would eat two meals a day, morning and night. He said, when you eat, you just, I'm meditating. Boy, how this changes our whole vision of everything we're involved. What do you mean to meditate? It means to speak to yourself. Yeah, the old thing: ten verses a day keeps the devil away. Nonsense. Good ritual. Don't not recommend it. But just take a verse and. Let it just speak to number one a little bit and see how God will show us things inside of us, outside of us. We hadn't really seen an aspect of our personality. that We didn't really want to admit the big picture. And you know, meditate means to chew your cud. Let me remind you what that is. You may not know all of it. A cow will eat grass, mix it with saliva, chew it up and swallow it. It'll go into the rudiment. That's the big part of a cow's stomach. And there that is mixed around with saliva and they regurgitate it and the cow chews that cud. What is going on there? Why is that there? It's because in that cud are the nutrients of the grass and that which the cow has eaten. And those nutrients go all the way through the body. And the more the the cow chews that cud, more nutrients will be in the milk and the cow will give more milk. And then when the calf is born, the calf will be healthier. And if the cow is lying down and chewing the cud, that means the rancher knows that that cow is getting all the benefits because the cow is at peace and contented while those new churches are working in the milk and the calf that will be born. This is what we are to do. We're to meditate. We're to chew that could with God morning and night. Boy, what a magnificent endeavor that is. And what little I know about it is out of this world. It's out of this world in its application to us. We are to meditate day and night, and we're to be like what? A tree, boy, how do you like that? A tree, a tree that didn't just come up, a tree that was taken and it was purposely planted by the river of waters where that tree would go down deep and get the nourishing waters over 150 gallons a day goes through a tree 100 feet high and it keeps that tree alive and nourished. Where to be a tree like that? The water of life, the word of life. And that tree planted by the rivers of water brings forth fruit. Well, what in the world is that? Galatians 5 love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, discipline. Boy, that's fruit. Well, what does that have to do with the fruit of a tree? It has this to do. When we're planted like a tree by the water of life that gives life to us, when we need patience, it's there, fruit. We need to be self-disciplined, it's there for us. And so you've got all the fruit of the Spirit, we can pick and choose when you, and it says what? In its season, isn't that great? Timely, the right moment, we're going through mountains or valleys or challenges or pessimism, or having to live with broken people and should I say it? Cynical people will need to pick some of that fruit that is available for us. And it's season. it's there. And then what's the rest of it? I need about a week on this passage. His leaf does not wither. You know, I've seen a lot of 30-year-old people their leaf has withered. Oh, yeah, oh, sure. I've seen a lot of 90-year-old people, their leaf has not withered. And I see a lot of people somewhere in between, and all they can say, oh, well, I'm getting older, I can't do much right now, I'm all beat up, I've got this and that and that and that. I've run from people like that. I say, "Who? I don't want any of that. Doesn't have to do with health. I know people in wheelchairs that their leaf has not withered. I know people all kind of ailments, their leaf has not withered. If you want your leaf to wither, you can just continue to do what you're doing, or you wanna wake up, I can tell you, you can start walking on the path of happiness and be blessed. Tired of withering leaves. If you are breathing on this earth, ladies and gentlemen, young people, God has a purpose for you now, You just have to find out where that is. The way you find out where it is, is get on the right path to happiness. Now, goodness. Not so the wicked. By the way, it says everything that do prospers. Doesn't mean you're gonna get rich. It just means you just have a feeling of prosperity. All is well. All is well, but the weak are not so. They're like chaff, which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. What's chaff? Corn, wheat would be produced. They would put it down and they would beat it. They'd beat all the covering over the kernel there that was valuable and chaff would go in the air. <laughs> The chaff just blows whichever way, way the wind is blowing. That time they would do it usually on top of a mountain, and the chaff would blow away. The tumbling weeds in the old west,ern some of us remember that. And some people like chaff. I know politicians, they could be conservative, they could be liberal. Well, they'll just be whatever the polls say. Let I me mean, check the windings today to make sure I'm on target. I'd rather have somebody diametrically opposed to me who's consistent than somebody who's always shaking the wind. Chaff. You and I become chaff instead of being a tree when we follow every wind. A tree, man, a tree planted by the rivers of water. Man, that's what God gives to those who are on the road to happiness and not on the road to cynicism. What's the oldest living tree in the world we know of? Sequoia tree. Though there's some in the Garden of Gethsemane and I'll be there in a few days, by the way, in the flesh. There are trees that are there, roots from there that go to the time of Jesus, but the tree that we most know is the one in California. What is it? The Tree in California, the oldest tree, what what is it? What? Not redwood, what? Sequoia tree. Why does a sequoia tree live so long? Follow me. Sequoia tree, first of all, is always perpendicular. It's always straight. You'll never find a sequoia tree anywhere in California. They got a few in Hawaii, only other place. Anywhere in California is not straight up, why? If a sequoia tree ever gets tilted, it has the ability to grow a compensating root that will pull it back straight. Do you know that? Always straight. Sequoia tree has in its bark a little kind of acid that if any beetle or something would attack the bark, that acid would take any, any, any infection, any problem, any, any bugs, any, any parasites. They would not be able to live in a sequoia tree because they got that in its bark. A sequoia tree struck by lightning, sequoia tree that is bruised by something, hurt by something, sequoia tree is one of the fastest healing, living things on the earth. It's healed. But the big thing about the sequoia tree, one will never blow down, one has never been blown down. Why? Because it grows in clumps. All those Sequoia trees in the forests of California, their roots are so intertwined with one another to blow down one tree, you'd have to blow down all the trees and they don't have any wind yet that God has unleashed, is able to do that. Does that ring true for us as members of God's family? Man, in the church, I get tilted, somebody will straighten us out if we'll let them. In the church, man, if, something's bugging us or there'll be people who'll come with a bomb of Gilead and do some healing in the church my if we're scarred and hurt and bruised with the death of a loved one or sickness you just stick around there are people who will be there who will love you and listen to you and care for you in the church if we get tilted over. We've got all the family of God. Our roots in God and Christ are all bound together, and nothing can take us down as a body of Christ. The question is, are you really chaff? Be careful. Or are you like a tree? A tree or chaff? Flowing with the wind, get along to go along. Man, I'll walk with anybody, I'll stand around anybody, or I'll sit down with anybody. Where are you, where am I? Ralph was practicing his guitar, 12 years old. His goal was to be a guitarist. Boy, his fingers were slow. He was trying to learn how to play Happy birthday, having trouble. An angel came and picked up Ralph, and took him to Carnegie Hall. And there was a guitarist there, virtuoso. He was playing the guitar with flying fingers, with beauty and magic and glory. And Ralph just said, wow. The angel took him back and said, Ralph, You just stick with it, and in a handful of years, I've let you see ahead. That's who you're going to be. That's who you're going to be, that's you. In order to reach everybody on the level that you are biblically, Tom Landry, couple of decades, football coach, was asked, what is the job of a coach? He said, a coach is to get men to...